Table Talk is not your typical D&D TTRPG podcast. We are not here to run you through our whole campaign. We're here to talk about everything else in the space of Table Talk. I'm your host, Alejandra Wilhelm. And I'm also your host, Mariah Gresham. And we're your tabletop roleplay girlies. All right, and we're live. Um, welcome back uh, to Table Talk. We have another really great guest episode here for you. Um, we have Brian Lynch joining us. Um, Go ahead and give us a little intro and definitely talk about all the cool stuff that you're doing right now because I'm I'm so excited <laughs> about your projects. Oh, well, so th- well, yeah, first of all, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, my name is Ryan Lynch. I, um, I'm a professional illustrator and graphic designer um, and have been doing that for, for years, probably over a decade now. Um, and then over the past couple of years, I have been working on um, my own TTRPG called Perils and Princesses. It's inspired by um, fairy tales, classic fairy tales, sort of mid-century Disney fairy tales. And um, and yeah, I've been working on that for a couple of years, writing and illustrating it. Um, the Kickstarter happened last summer. I'm getting ready to send it out to every, all my uh, backers in the next week or so. But yeah, it's kind of been, been my main focus. Um, Kind of getting back into TTRPGs and other kind of um, lonelier hobbies since the pandemic, you know. <laughs> yeah, hobbies. Uh, I feel called out. That's surreal. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> Before that, I was uh, craft markets and DJing mm-hmm. and concerts and all these like social outlets. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. not that TTRPGs are social. Crowd heavy. Yeah, very crowd heavy. Very like communal, which is fine. But that kind of went away, and then and TTRPGs and. And gaming in general kind of filled that void for me. Um, and I got really sort of just focused on these kind of fairy tale stories and, and nostalgic about it and wanted to make a game. So that's kind of where that came. Yeah, I love it. I was so excited when Ollie sent Perils and Princesses to me because, like, I just come off watching the Dimension 20. The Never After. Like, Never After horror fairy tale thing. And so, like, I'm also obsessed with, like, folk tales and fairy tales and, like, how both like wonderful and eternally enjoyable they are, but how like the understory of them is just so fucked up and creepy. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I love this. This is so cute. Yeah. I got obsessed with like the art style specifically because like I'm an artist too. And I was just like the the way that you illustrate is so aesthetically pleasing <laughs> to me. Oh, um and all of it just looks so cute. It's very like clean and like metal yeah. like the use of color is nice because it's enough to accent it, but it's not like, I don't know. It's just, it's relaxing to look at. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I, um, yeah well, I, well, I appreciate that. I mean, that's kind of, that's where it all started was kind of with drawing and sketching and just thinking about this stuff while I'm sitting watching my kids and, you know, drawing these fairy tale characters on my iPad. And that's kind of where, where it started. But as far as the colors go, um, I knew... Like you were saying, like fairy tales have this like long history, right? Like they're they're older than even, um, you know. You kind of go back to Grimm, the Grimm's fairy tales as the as the collection, but they're even older than that, and they've been redone mm-hmm. so many times. And there's so like with so many different styles. So I knew that I wanted to incorporate a lot of that, like within, you know, like a range and layers of different, you know, collaged upon, like built upon aesthetics. And so if I if I limited the colors. I could kind of get away with more variety. 
Yeah, like letting that be the con, the point of continuity. Yeah, ex- exactly. And like, is there any like specific stories that you drew like a lot of inspiration from for this, or like what are kind of like the unique takes that you took on on the fairy tale concepts? And I mean, overall, if you want to talk about like the the general mechanics of it, because I know it's like it's very like story based, but there you had some really interesting like mechanics for for like the princesses and the different classes of princesses that I'd love to like get your get your take on those yeah so a lot of it one of my favorite movies ever is sleeping beauty and i think that's like a big starting (laughs) point Uh, absolutely like the artwork is great um the story is sometimes like the main character aurora gets some flack for like not having as much agency as maybe if if sleeping beauty came out now they'd probably write her a little bit differently but again Mm -hmm. it's all about it's all about the fairies though right like the people the humans are sort of secondary to this like cool fairy war that's happening between the you know her trio of fairy godmothers and then like the the evil fae queen and the, i'm kind of i'm kind of going on a tangent here but that that kind of was a Please do. that's like a big uh that was a big starting point for me was that movie in particular um and then and then then watching some some of the newer ones with my kids like the like moana for instance and thinking about like what mm-hmm. what are these skills that they have that's a little bit different than you know because at the same time, I was watching watching these these uh, Disney movies and these fairy tale movies with my younger kid, and then I was uh, playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons with my older kid, um, who's eleven. So I've, I've got like a three year old, I have a three year old and eleven year old. So I was playing D anD D with the older kid, watching princess movies with the younger kid, and just kind of melding that world in my mind. And and what would you know what would be like if if Moana or Cinderella were on this were in this dungeon, right? one of the main things was I wanted all the skills in the game to be, be internal. So it's not, it's not strength. It's resolve. It's not dexterity. Mm-hmm. It's grace. You know, it's, it's all about, cause that's how, that's how a princess would overcome or princess in one of these stories or even a fairy tale hero, like, like Frodo Baggins, right? He's not strong, but he's, it's all about the inner strength. So all the, all the skills have to do with, with kind of testing your your virtues your inner your inner strengths so that's that like is the very basis of of how these characters are going to relate to the game world and then kind of having fun with with different princessy and fairy tale tropes as far as like the special abilities for their gifts right like summoning summoning animals how does that work you know if you can like give a little whistle and um have the woodland creatures help you or you know shaping the elements or talking to or talking to the elements or doing making fun little concoctions and whimsical kind of abilities like an Alice in Wonderland kind of, kind of thing. Like how, like just having fun with the long history of fairy tales and the different things that they can do. And then these kind of humble characters as they go on their wild adventures, you know? Yeah. And it's interesting, like psychologically and fun from that perspective, because as much flack as traditional fairy tales do sometimes get for not giving actually the female main characters agency of like i love that you've one taken that and noticed their skills and put that into like the forefront of the forefront of a game and i also love that yeah everything is internal because that almost makes it more approachable or applicable for like younger kids that are playing this like it's it's a nice twist on the story where like you do still have all those great elements of the traditional fairy tales but yeah it's just it's nice because it connects them and grounds them more as like real people yeah which is cool 
Well, yeah, I even had like, sometimes you get, you know, when you, I post a lot on TikTok and that's how I've kind of built the community around this. But then one of the, the, the good and bad things about TikTok is that it just, sh- it shares it out to people that might not be your audience or might not be following along. Oh yeah. So you get mm-hmm. new people, but you also get people that don't get it. So yeah, I had some comments, like I was showing the different abilities and they're like, oh, these seems just so stereotypically feminine. Like what, what's up with that? And, mm. and I was like, well, the, that's one, that's the intent. And two, the point is to highlight those internal things. So even if you're a, a, a young boy playing, you know, you're not emulating, like there's enough games about how, how good you are at like fighting and killing. So even, so they are like deliberately internal and more soft skills and like these kind of like underrated, humble kind of magics. Yeah. Like how do you relate to people? How do you work with like your environment or how do you like, you said with like uh, working with the animals or working with the elements of like your connect connection to like the earth and yeah, it's different things that like are like traditionally by society coded more feminine but one, like, that's an interesting point because, like, one, what's wrong with that? Yeah, there's right? nothing like, wrong with that. Why is that a problem? Right. And, like, we won't get on that soapbox. But, <laughs> like, it's that's a different episode that <laughs> we have already recorded. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a very cool little framework to think about how we classify abilities and fantasy characters and, like, what makes someone a hero. Mm-hmm. And that that's cool. Yeah, and that it's not always like the 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 big strong person yeah. punching the bad guy. Like they're, uh, and I guess it kind of also can relate back to like the traditional like D and D or general TTRPG experience of like people that are more like murder hobos and like into into maxing out their their com- combat capabilities. But then there's people that are like, yeah, there's combat and that's a thing. But like mm-hmm. I also enjoy finding creative solutions to a problem. Uh, mm-hmm. And like, I think your your game specifically emphasizes on that that respect of like, yeah, there there like strength is a thing that you can have and you can deal with things in that way. But there's so many other more interesting skills to use mm-hmm. than just fighting your way bare knuckle through yeah, through a conflict. How how much do you bonk? <laughs> yeah, how much to bonk versus like finding those kind of unique solutions with all the other things on your character sheet that you could possibly use. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, I, I, that's 100% it. Like I want to wanted to emph- emphasize like that kind of creativity. And even going back to like influences, like there's a whole bunch of I I found myself, you know, kind of while I was sort of mining my mind and memories for for things to abilities to give these different characters. There's there's lots of storybooks that are sort of the I would call like the mid-century wave of fairy tales. Like you've got um, the Last Unicorn, uh, or even you know what, even Lord of the Rings, right? Like uh, mm-hmm. Frodo and Frodo and Sam, and even Aragorn. Like their biggest skills, like there's fighting in in Lord of the Rings, and especially in the movies. There's these you know beautiful epic battles, but the moments are all about like the healing ones. In the book, they're singing songs to each other constantly to like inspire them. It's like the in moments of interpersonal relating and interpersonal connection that yeah. stand out and like why people keep coming back to those stories. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I really wanted to make a game and again, there's swords are fun, bows and arrows are fun. They're in the game. Everyone can be a badass, but the special abilities, what makes the character stand out is going to be how they, how they work with each other and how they work with the world. Mm-hmm. And that's that kind of like humble that I, I always say humble magic or 
or the little things that make a big difference is what the what the game is really about at its core. I love that so much. Same. I love that so much because I think it also like I it one as like a woman that grew up on like princesses and and, and all that good mm-hmm. goodness. Um, one, yeah, like the new the new kind of wave of princesses nowadays that are like a lot more self sufficient, a lot more like it's not all about like her being saved by the prince or whatever. It's a lot about like her own personal journey and Mm -hmm. and all these other things and taking those influences, um, making a game based around that. But also I think like, uh, like we've discussed this plenty of like the more, the differences between like those kind of masculine and feminine spaces, especially when it relates to these like tabletop role-playing games. And like, I know in my first experience ever at a table, I had people that were you know not super invested in the story or or anything and they were just they were just there to bonk um Mm -hmm. but i was really finding my joy in like you said like finding those creative solutions really digging into the other stuff that my character can do and trying to optimize like solving problems with whatever else i've got um in my arsenal and i think like your your game one on top of it being such a cool concept such so well illustrated is like really playing into that and offering a space where it's like, you know, this is like, this is what you can do. And I think like, like you said, you're going to find people that are like 100% about it. And then there's going to be those few out there that are like, I don't get it. (laughs) And it's like, well, it's not for you. Yeah. That's with everything though. Like you can't, you have to make things that you enjoy. I mean, that goes for everything. Like books, art, games, anything. Mm -hmm. You have to make things that you enjoy and people who enjoy what you enjoy will also like it, but you will never please anyone. And if you try to please everyone, then you'll never make anything. (laughs) Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and princesses have, like you said, they have a lot of baggage. Like, centuries of baggage <laughs> they do. and some As people and but some people are going to be turned off by it immediately no matter what and that's that's mm-hmm. fine that's their that's their call you don't have to you know what i mean but but i think a lot of people really i mean i for one i love princess movies i always have i love princess mm-hmm. stories and all that stuff and for me this you know it was kind of a healing journey to make a big pink book you know <laughs> and draw these like woodland <laughs> yeah. characters um and, but some people, it's going to turn them off, you know, whether whether they think it's silly or frivolous, whether they think it's, uh, like I guess, princess, princess culture, princess, yeah. yeah. Like, there's pro- it's problematic, and that, you know, and that's part of its history. So if you're turned off by that immediately, that's fine. But this really, that's not what I'm going for here. I want to do something that's about fun and adventure, you know. But yeah, it's not, it, if you get it, you, I think a lot of people are responding really well to it and, like, really loving digging in. So it's been really exciting to see. Oh yeah, you've gotten a lot of a lot of really great support and like on the Kickstarter and all that stuff. And like, uh, I know I shared it to literally uh, like mm-hmm. nearly every person that I know because I was like, please look at this. It's so like, you must see so it. Great. You must consume this content. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's it's been it's been really fun. Awesome. And generally, just like uh, on the topic of of influences and in art, like. Uh, is there anything in particular that like kind of inspired your specific art style? I know I've seen a lot of like your marketing work and stuff, but like the princess and perils art style is like very unique um, in it, in its own way. Is there any like specific influence you, you can attribute to that? Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a few things going on with how I kind of started drawing the, the princesses, how I did and the monsters in the, in the, in the books. I, I what I wanted to do is, First of all, draw, keep it simple so I could draw a lot of them. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't, you know, there's some beautiful old um, 
fairy tale illustrations where they draw every they they use etching or ink and draw every leaf on every tree and i knew that wouldn't i wouldn't be able to accomplish that and it's not necessarily mm-hmm. and it's been done before right but what i i really liked how um how you know someone like arthur rackham or some of those old fairy like classic fairy tale illustrations have these kind of uh a way of drawing faces and a way of posing the people that is a very like kind of very deliberate and has that like has foundational kind of story storybook uh, compositions and poses. Um, And so I wanted to capture that, but with the rendering, I wanted to layer on this like childlike imagination. So I wanted everything to look like you've got this combination of, almost like a coloring book where you have a classic illustration yeah. and yeah. then, and then a kid is frantically scribbling and th- that active <laughs> mm-hmm. scribbling and imagining and filling in the blanks while you're doing it. I wanted it, everything to have that energy. So there's, there's some old public domain pieces that are like old engravings and stuff. And then there's the, the illustrations I did of the princesses themselves um, all have, I don't know, like I, I wanted to ha- give them this energy as far as like a childlike kind of way of making marks and a way of rendering them out. It definitely reads that way. Now that, now that you're like talking about it, I was like, Oh no. Yeah. It does have like both the elements of like, like really like traditional, like storybook drawings, but then it's got like the, the grainy and grit of like a child kind of drawing this with like a crayon kind of thing. Yeah. I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. And that's part, I mean, I'm glad you're I'm glad you're appreciating that because it's like there's these layers to playing role playing games, especially a fantasy role playing game where you have the source material like midi either like medieval stories or mm-hmm. folk tales or whatever. The, the, and then you the traditional fantasy. And then you have like the like the Dungeons and Dragons, like the sixties, seventies, like gritty, kind of weird fantasy interpretation, which is also very cool, but it's been done a mm-hmm. lot. And then, and then on mm-hmm. top of that, you have like your own imagination as you're bringing these to life. So I wanted it to have like just layers of different things happening, and I think it, I think it worked okay. Where where you've got I don't know, it's just fun and interesting images to make and images to like play with. Yeah, absolutely. I think you I think you very much accomplished that, and absolutely, it's yeah. got it's got the all the good elements of like fantasy but childlike wonder and like. I remember I saw a video of you doing like your your kind of like isometric map uh, layouts and stuff, and I was like, ah, I love it because like the trees and the little ah, mm-hmm. and like all of it, <laughs> all of it is so fucking cool. Yeah. Um, and just like as as an artist, I was like, oh man, that like it's good. Steaming. It makes me want to just do like little childlike like drawings mm-hmm. and stuff, and especially like um, we haven't mentioned this yet, but uh, we're gonna get to play Princess and Perils in another uh, mm-hmm. like stream for RT five. So um, with you, hopefully, and that's going to be yeah. so cool. Do you do you have any like advice for us as like potential players of your game and like making our characters and stuff? Oh my gosh! Um, yeah, I, well, one and thanks for inviting me to that. I'm excited. I'm always down to yeah, play. Absolutely. I was like, always yeah. down to play this game. Um, advice for making characters? I think so. There's a lot that's randomly rolled. You can go through and just have the have the mm-hmm. game generate your your princess. That can lead to a lot of cool things if you've never if you know you're not used to randomly generating your whole character you you kind of let the game let let the fates decide let the game decide yeah mm-hmm. and then and then you can what it does is it lets you build a backstory in your head based on these prompts um of course if you have something you want to do or or if you know 
Um, you know, everyone in your party is working, to building your characters together and you kind of want different roles, that's fine too. But um, mm -hmm. kind of encourage a little bit of randomness in this to get a little, and a little bit of surprise. Yeah, just lean into it. When you were first, like, because Ollie and I have talked about potentially as we create more content, like create more like narrative podcasts and potentially how we would like to design like a board game or a TTRPG or something as in the future, mm -hmm. just so different ways to tell stories. Like when you first started kicking this idea around, how did you decide that you, you wanted it to be a TTRPG? And like, what did that initial process like look like? Look like, yeah, just from a morbid curiosity yeah. standpoint. So no, that's a, that's a good question. And I think so. For, yeah. Again, at first it, I'm, I'm a long time, uh, artist and illustrator. So that's where I start, right? I, I can start mm -hmm. drawing these, you know, childish sort of marks and drawing these princesses and things. Um, but then the next thing I started doing is just making lists of just, of, uh, lists of different types of fairy godmothers, different types of things that princesses can do, different words that felt like they were the right mood, different, like maybe names of places, names of, um, different names of characters, different names of monsters. I was just making lots of lists of things. Um, and yeah, like you said, I, I, I didn't know what those lists were going to be, but were going to be, but it just felt like, um, felt like random tables. It felt like random, uh, RPG tables, and then Ooh. and then the gifts felt like things that you could do, and I and I and I could be, and I, and I, yeah, I didn't. I'm not much of a comic writer or or book writer, but at this point, I was like, I can give. It felt like a toolbox more than a story. It felt like a world to give to yeah. people. So that's like, I mean, yeah, it started. I still have. I still go back to my notes app that just has long lists of words whenever I'm stuck because I would just sit there. On the floor with my, <laughs> on the floor with my three-year-old, <laughs> writing like watching Moana, watching uh, Snow White, and just writing lists of like cool things and obsessing over the beautiful backgrounds in Snow White because it's like it's some it's of the so best good. art ever. Yeah, I yeah I love that. I love the the toolbox and giving people a world to craft their own stories versus giving them a story. And like there being value in both, but that's a really interesting way of putting it, and I love that. Yeah, that's, that's like a lot of games. what TTRPG yeah. is. Yeah, it's handing you the tools to to write your own mm -hmm. your own story, and it's like here's everything you you need to know about the pre existing world or or how it works, and you can also toss it or leave it depending on how yeah. you feel. <laughs> it just uh, it gives you it a fits. place to start, so it's mm -hmm. like you don't have to come up with everything from scratch. Yeah, but it just gives you a scaffolding to then make people and throw them in and see what happens. Oh, absolutely. And, and I even, even as someone who I like reading, you know, fairy tale books and fantasy books, even ones that are made for kids uh, <laughs> and rereading them, especially, especially as <laughs> me getting into this. Um, but I also like just reading RPGs. Um, even if I know I might never play it, <laughs> I might never get around to playing it. That's like its own kind of play, right? Is like yeah. looking at, looking at, um, and maybe it's only like a certain type of person that gets kicks out of this or but I I for I'm sure, honestly the same. Like yeah. I have so many setting books that I am not probably going to run for years, but I just like to have them in my grabby little paws and be able to like like oh, I don't look at me. I wasn't calling I wasn't, you out inadvertently. 
She just like sat, give the most bombastic side eye in my direction. And I'm like, I was calling myself out. You do not need to feel attacked, ma'am. I still feel attacked regardless. Because I was 10 30 like, in the morning. 10 30 in the morning. But, um, no. yeah, like, I love, like, I don't know, just being able to, like, maladaptive daydream and, like, the different worlds and stuff and come up with how things, different ideas. And it's just, it's so fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, just, yeah, looking at art and reading the book, you can just imagine things that are a little bit it tickles your brain in a different way than reading a story does and it's a way of playing it too even if you never never can get a group together to play that cool setting or book or whatever yeah true i mean like before uh i've talked about this before of the like we used to have a different uh like dm and then me and like my current players kind of all left that situation together um, and we were, you know, kind of left stuck without a DM. Mm-hmm. And when thinking about, like, who could kind of take up the mantle, it was, like, I was the one that had, A, the bandwidth, the experience. And then also, I had already just invested a bunch of money into, like, buying all these source yeah. books, even though I was just a player. Because I just loved, one, I loved looking at, like, the art that was done in them. Uh, but then, yeah, like, just having these worlds at my disposal and, like, being able to look at them and, like, kind of fan fantasize about potentially playing um is it's it's its own joy and then you know sure enough came the time that we, we actually needed it and i was like okay well let me just go look at my plethora of yeah. material like, and I decide what, all the what we're gonna manuals. dive into yeah and um i also wanted to to talk about so like uh what is the name of the book it's like the glory of giants or or i'm trying to remember the newest D&D book about the giants. The one that had, like, the AI generated. Um, yeah. Right. I don't remember. Scandal. I I do not remember what the name is. I'm, I was I was going to try, but I... Mm-mm. It's like a... It's someone... It's one of, it's one of the characters. It's like a possessor. Bigby presents Glory of Big the Giants. Bigby. That's what it is. Oh. Yeah. Bigby. Um, but, yeah, I wanted to talk about, uh, like, specifically, and also just from the general perspective of like artists in the community, uh, like Bigby presents the glory of giants um, and the whole issue that they had with uh, having an artist like use AI generated art within like official wizards with the coast material, which like how that gets by who, how did that get past (laughs) review? Like what, what creative director, like head designer looked at those hands and was like, this is fine. Yeah. This seems legit. Yeah, it's too, it's really too bad because, I mean, they're the, as Wizards of the Coast, as like the biggest, the biggest name in, in fantasy games with like someone who commissions so much artwork for mm-hmm. magic cards mm-hmm. and for D&D books. Like they have such an opportunity to like really be a patron of the arts and really be at the forefront of of putting out amazing artwork and they have the resources for it too. They could, yeah, they can, they can do whatever they want in terms of artwork. And it's too bad that the, they, I mean, I kind of believe them where they like, were like, Oh, we didn't know because they just, they were just sloppy. You know, they didn't know this artist was like, kind of hacky and really used AI art. Yeah. They probably didn't look at it close enough because like they are, uh, if if anyone hasn't seen them, like if you see them from afar, 
you're like they're not immediately noticeable. They're not. It's not immediately noticeable. It's more like if you know what to look for, yeah. Yeah. then you start seeing things of like the sizes of things are wrong, or things in the background are too big or too small, or there's a random little crawling tree uh, in a picture of like what's supposed yeah. to be some dinosaur monster that definitely has an odd number of legs, but isn't mm-hmm. immediately. But it's right. not like right. a oh, this is a fun spicy boy that just runs on like a tripod leg situation it's like no that leg shouldn't be there (laughs) no he's got five legs for some reason like it's not good for him either (laughs) but like yeah i i think part of that is a lot of the like i'm not okay i don't want to hate on any artists because the dnd books have gorgeous art in them but i will say oh absolutely i will say there is like a wizards of the coast style like between yes. like like how their D and D books have looked for the last few years, and how like Magic cards look now. Magic cards they do have like kind of alternate art these days that they branch out mm-hmm. a little bit, but there's totally a Wizards of the Coast style, and it's kind of it's kind of samey. Like, and I and I wonder if that's how it was overlooked because like it it all kind of looks maybe because AI is using Wizards art <laughs> or like yeah, people that were influenced by it. Yeah, and it's just kind of it. blending in. And then, well, yeah. realistically, that's probably what they did of like they conditioned it on, they fed it, you know, you with previous artwork. Because like that's, AIs only know what you teach them, right? So if it was fed with that either traditional like comic style work or that like old school kind of weird fantasy, high fantasy stuff that is... Traditionally, what Wizards of the Coast puts out, which, like, it's beautiful, but yeah, it is that fairly bracketed style, then, yeah, I see how somebody could be like, well, maybe AI would do a good enough job, since this has been pretty consistent over the years, and... Yeah, I just I I I would love to be a fly on the wall in those in, that in those stand up meetings <laughs> when that was game like because who like simply who I just I just would challenge look, yeah I would challenge all the art directors at Wizards of the Coast to like come up with like make a make a creative decision or make take a stand on like a, the next new book and have it look totally wild or totally different. Or hire an artist that has like an out there art style and just like, you know, yeah, like, give you've it got... like some fresh, new, unique. Because there's definitely yeah. like, plenty, plenty of art styles that can mm-hmm. still fall within that realm of fantasy. For and sure. you see it all the time with like third party creators mm-hmm. um, of like TTRPG source books and and et cetera that they're they're using all these different kinds of artists. Um, one of our friends back, she recently kickstarted a it was like it's like a monster hunting yeah uh it's like cool kind of interplanar monster hunting Mm -hmm. all this other stuff and the concept art that is all over that we cannot get enough of it is so unique and like it's it's got a little bit of like kitschy yeah like some of the monsters are like food there's like mochi um not beholders um mimics and yeah, it's like it's like just a chili so pepperoni. Cool. Yeah, demon. Yeah, it's so cool. Uh, but it, but like, yeah, like you can do so so much with it and still have it be well received, and you don't have to box yourself in creatively. Uh, and like you said, if anything, I think the community would also like appreciate it. And you're giving more kinds of artists more opportunity as well, right? Because you're not just sticking to that to people that can achieve that that similar style. You're kind of opening up to all all amounts of talent Mm -hmm. 
Oh, absolutely. And that, yeah, if anyone, if anyone has the resources, it's Wizards of the Coast. And I just, sometimes I get really nostalgic when I look at like Magic the Gathering cards from the 90s where kind of anything went. They were weird. They were paint, they like were paintings. They were, they had just like every card was a different style. And it kind of was like one of the cool things about that game when it started. And Mm -hmm. that's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. If you look at, uh, just old Magic the Gathering cards, they, they, the style is all over the place. And a lot of them, I mean, that's like pre-digital art too. So they were all mm-hmm. done by hand. Not that. Oh, true. Yeah. Um, I mean, not that you like, I, I do all my stuff digitally too, but I try to make it look like hand, but, uh, but yeah, I, I just yeah, but it was I, different when like all you had was Microsoft paint. Like yeah. there wasn't much, you could, <laughs> there wasn't much you could do digitally. Mm-hmm. You kind of had to draw, like sketch yeah. it out on yeah. paper scan and it. scan it and, and send it in. Um, but yeah, no, I I just think because uh, that's that's part of again another another cool thing about doing fantasy art is it doesn't have to be. Um, I, I did a post on TikTok of, about this recently about drawing, you know, horror or scary things, and and for me, I like mm-hmm. when you don't like you can draw something scary or fa- you can make the fantasy real by drawing every detail, and that's kind of what Wizards does now is they. They try to draw every little buckle on their armor. It's as and, realistic as possible. Yeah. yeah. But for me, I I would rather get more abstract, you know? I And that's kind of... There's some old interviews with uh, with Tolkien where he says his favorite his favorite artwork that people have done of, of his books is the most abstract stuff where, you know, just a shadow of a color is more frightening than drawing every little detail of this ghost or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I really love, like, kind of the Baroque, like, Roman Gothic-esque style of art Mm -hmm. because it does use mood and color a lot. And, like, there are pieces where, like, yes, they are are detailed and they do write things down, but it is more of, like, the contrast of colors and that sense that something is lurking in the background. And that's that's really cool to me yeah or it's like in the it's like in anything like in the general concept of horror i think like the more you leave to the imagination the more yes like scarier it can be and the more tension it creates and also the concept of like when you're making monsters and making creatures that you you can in fact do whatever you want and like you don't have to be bound necessarily by what like animals that we see or like where there's a lot of it where like yeah you you build off something right so it's like they kind of have like two feet or four feet or like whatever but like no you can have it can walk on hands it can just be hands it can really down there (laughs) like you can do whatever you want and do some mind bendy breaky things and that's really cool but i also think like it's a lot of people pull back from that a bit especially like bigger more established things because they don't necessarily know it's going to be received but i think people are a lot more open to it now than they might have been you know and that's something AI five can't ten really, years ago ai can't really accomplish that on per like it can yeah. accident it can accidentally achieve sort of horrifying things but it yeah. ever i don't know it's that that human knowledge of where that line is and where you know kind of what colors and shadows and mood and and how much how real you want to make something like those are all decisions that human artists make a million times yep. in a minute when they're making an image 
and, yeah. and AI just yeah. can kind of take things other people have done and smush them together and maybe accidentally come up with that. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it's just never as good. It always just kind of falls flat. Yeah. yeah. Flat is definitely like the key word for me. Cause like, especially, and like, I'm sure you encounter this too, but like as someone like running games and I'm constantly looking for like NPC art, for mm-hmm. example. Um, and you know, like now Pinterest is like inundated with AI generated art. And like, there's been a couple times where I've like, oh, I almost didn't catch that this was AI art. Uh, but it's also like, there is, there is a tell to it. And it is that like kind of flat lifelessness. lifelessness. Yeah. Um, that like, I think a computer is never going to be able to generate and like, they all start to resemble a very similar style. Um, or like, you know, all of, all of these female AI generated characters have a similar face because of like that, that, that specific beauty standard or whatever the program knows. Um, and like everything starts to look the same and it's just a matter of like subtle, like not, not even subtle is the wrong word, but just like random little differences in like their clothing or their hair, but like everything starts to fall real flat against what like literally any art that I've ever seen made by, by another person. Yeah. And I mean, it's fundamentally because obviously there's not a consciousness behind that. So it's like things that are appealing or things that are frightening or disturbing like like a computer can't fully relate to that because they don't have a human psyche and they're not aware of like why something is unsettling even and sometimes that is unconscious also when you're creating art or when you're like for me when i'm brainstorming stories or things like the things that unsettle you or that you enjoy or that like light you up or whatever aren't always things you consciously know but as you sit down and think about them, and you're like, okay, no, I see why this is triggering this reaction for me. And a computer just can't can't really replicate that. Yeah. Because there's not a way to really teach that. Not now, certainly. And I, I don't, I mean, that's a, that's a whole other podcast and episode <laughs> yeah, of right. like where the future of AI and like re- recreating human consciousness and all of that. But like, I don't know if that'll ever be a thing that can be done. Um, but certainly not for a long, a long while yet. I think and like AI, AI has its uses. Like I'm not against it, but when it comes to things like you need, you need a human hand and mind behind it. Yeah. Yeah, Well, my hope is that my hope for AI or what we call generative AI or that kind of uh, technology is that my hope is that we're in sort of like the awkward baby phase of it where people don't really aren't using it with discretion. No one knows how to legislate it. Kind of like early CGI or like mm-hmm, early, mm-hmm. early filmmaking or anything where it's just kind of a mess as we're figuring it out. Um, my yeah. hope is that it becomes a really useful tool. Cause I can like, even as someone who does um, the kind of design and artwork I do, I can like, for instance, Adobe has certain tools in their software that are use generative AI. And some of them have, have a lot of yeah. potential right like like the um, autofill stuff? stuff is dope that's so cool i need to put photoshop on my laptop to like fill in with that i saw a thing where like you could like make a flat lay with that and i'm like oh i want to do i don't yeah. even know what i make a flat like, lay of but i'm gonna find something <laughs> and and even if it's not as good as um it, it won't be as good as actually shooting more uh, the proper photo right but i can't i can think of so many times like in my career working at uh, marketing agencies where I wish I had like another inch of of photo of like 
negative yep. space around the photo, right? Where I'm like, oh, I gotta mm-hmm. need to. to I fill wish the dimension requirement. Yeah, You're like I just need a little bit of buffer on this. And like we, we ran, we ran it. this right up to the edge. Yeah, and now I gotta like copy and paste, and like it's a whole thing. I'm like, man, that would make my life easier. Or I could see if a future mm-hmm. where if I, I don't know, like they kind of use this for like generating crowds of people, but like if I could feed AI, uh you know, 50 Perils and Princesses characters and have it kind of use my style in a in a good way to make another one or iterate on it for me, that would be very helpful, you know? But I just can't mm-hmm. quite do that now where it, yeah. it, it can't take a specific limited set very well and then expand upon it in a way that it looks anything like the, the original, so. I've also seen, like, a lot of artists that will use uh, AI to kind of generate like a general thumbnail uh before they really start like yeah. their content and they use that as like a point of reference to really go off of like their actual artwork and i'm yeah. like and it, you know that's interesting the, the evolution of like artists especially going digital like there's lots of people that like have whatever fucking opinions they have about things like using 3d models so that there's you a lot have of to, weird like, do elitism. your anatomy work ahead of time or like especially if working as a commission artist mm-hmm. like it's nice to have like a 3D model that you can work off of right. because then you don't have to spend so many hours perfecting all that anatomy before you even start like Anything getting into the, the characterization. Actual, yeah, characterization, illustration or whatever. It saves you time and it's it's part of like tools that you use as part of the profession. So I agree with you in the sense of like, I hope that it gets to a point where it's more normalized as like it's it, it's a tool to use to assist in the work yes. but not necessarily something that replaces artists right. because i also feel like one ai can only work off of art that has already been previously created and so if Absolutely. you get into a point where like artists are completely negated and it's only going to work off of the art that has already been done yeah. um you're going to stop getting like unique innovations in yes. art you're going to stop getting like a unique concepts and like that yeah. feeling of when you find an artist with a style that you've never fucking seen before. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and it goes beyond art too, into like writing and how we tell stories and how we express ideas. And like, I work for a tech company and we work on like developer security. And so, so it's a drum I've beaten. I beat regularly when working with people because I edit for a living. And so it's very apparent to me when something is AI written mm-hmm. and when a person has written it and when they, or when it's just been like, Somebody ran a couple queries through and hodgepodge it together and submitted it. And I'm like, hey, yo, this can't fly yeah. because it does not sound like a person writ- wrote it. And it's like it's great to use as a supplemental tool to make an outline, to generate ideas, to have get reference photos for things like that. But it has to be used in conjunction and as a supplement to a person's ability yeah. and talent. It cannot replace that because that's when we start going off the rails i think that's what we're all in every industry and space that's using it having a hard time nailing that balance Mm -hmm. because it's so easy to feel like ah well maybe i can just have it do it for me if you're stressed and you're late and you're running behind and you don't and like life is you know, going into just fucking hellfire because I do be doing that as an adult sometimes. I feel that. I'm in marketing and my boss will sometimes be like, can you write me a script for this? And I'm like, I'm going to have a bot do it because yeah. I got a million other things to do. And I will like cor- course over it and correct when and like, if you ed- send it out. Yeah. And like that writes and then you edit it and, other, and like that, that can be okay. But like tying it back to uh, the D&D imagery stuff of it's like, I see how you fall into that trap 
because I beat people back from that like <laughs> multiple times a week at work where I'm just like with a rake being like, now, now, <laughs> write your own shit. Um, but like, yeah, it's just it's a very slippery slope to use it and take advantage of it without letting it become a crutch or replace people who are creating any kind of content, spaces, whatever yeah. that is. That is my so that is my soapbox. I hope that people develop a better eye for for noticing. You know, my my hope is that <laughs> my naive hope is that we'll figure this thing out and get better at using it, and people will be in in a in a healthy, productive way that isn't uh, taking advantage of anybody's actual creative work. I don't think that's naive. Yeah, that's that's my. I feel like that's happened in other realms. Yes. Yeah. I genuinely think that will happen. And it it's not that far off. I think it's just we've gotten a new toy, kind of. Yeah. And everyone is really excited about it in the same way of, like, how you said with, you know, early video stuff or early, like, YouTube stuff or internet things. And, like, we're just having a hard time figuring counterbalancing out how to regulate it, it. Yeah. ethically. We're swinging between the extremes and it's just time to sort of find that find that balance Ooh. and it's also an interesting conversation about like being conscious consumers mm-hmm. of every kind of content because I'm mean, like I know I see TikToks and things from like cool that was AI generated. Yeah. Um because, but like, this is the world that I live in all the time, either because like our side hustles, we're consuming content, or we both work in marketing. So we're consuming it through there. And like, we're very, like, you're an artist, or like when Ollie looks things, or even when I do, because I don't draw a lot, but I know how to recognize it. But that's not true for everyone. Yeah. And it's like, that's another point of education, I think, that is, is really interesting. And another thing that we're going to have to figure out of like, how do we, help people that don't stare at this stuff all day be conscious consumers and understand why the slippery slope is slippery yeah yeah because that's just that's just a slip and slide at this point it's not just a slope no (laughs) and it's it's affecting everything we look at so many so many images all day long and it's hard to and you get numb to them too so that's why that ai i feel like that is another again with with the dnd book and with just marketing in general you just see so many more images a day than you used to so it's Mm -hmm. so like those weird extra legs your brain your brain can't handle it all and can't look yeah you know you you can't do so much so like those little you know those little quirks of ai that when you like when you point it out or notice it you're like oh god what is that that's horrible how'd that get through it's like well yeah our brains are trying to filter through all this extra information all day yeah, your brain's just like, ignore those eight fingers. You don't yeah, need any more you stress. Yeah, counting, like, that's fine. If you were that's counting not the for fingers, you to notice. <laughs> counting the fingers on every person you saw. You, you wouldn't, you like, yeah, that woman it. is in fact 12 heads tall. <laughs> and her head is not proportional. And we love that for her. And we love that for her. <laughs> I love that she's got linebacker shoulders. But she needs a slightly bigger head. She does need a slightly bigger head. I'm like... Just a little bit. Yeah, I remember, like, I was I was in the gaming store that's, like, nearest me. And I saw the 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 glory of, of the giants book. And I was like, Oh, I wonder if this is the one they're still selling the ones with the fucking AI art in it. Every mm-hmm. time I go in there, I open it up to look and I'm yeah, like, they we found, we found one. Cause I was yet. like running over. Cause I'd not seen it. Yeah. And I like showed you all the ones and you're like, Oh yeah, that's just rough. Buddy. I was like, this is horrifying. <laughs> like live with your elder chores. What is this? And like, not in a, not in a fun 
fun role play anyway. Like, yeah. in a, like this should not. There's an auditor here like, who invited Cthulhu to the fucking. I just feel bad for a little realm. dinosaur with too many legs, and he's just got a little tree buddy that's also crawling next to him. And I'm like, why is that? Tree it's there? like, why is that tree in here? It's too cold for him. <laughs> There's a snowstorm going on. He's not going to make it. He needs liquid water, not frozen water. Go home, friend. Like, <laughs> open a portal and send him back through. Uh, but yeah, I think it's 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 like how you said. I think uh, especially bigger companies like Wizards of the Coast, there's, there's a responsibility they have in the space, as like you mentioned, being one like a very big patron of, of the arts because of the kind of content that they put mm-hmm. out into the world. Um, there's like a responsibility and accountability they have to take for that, but then also, you know, support the artists that, that you're that you're keeping in business. Yeah, that that was the thing I thought earlier of like there's a responsibility to be an advocate for artists and creatives and to support the people that power your industry and keep things interesting and fresh and exciting. Because without, yeah, the artists making the art or the, the writers making the stories or anything, like, there wouldn't be new stories. Like, there wouldn't there wouldn't be new books. There wouldn't be new settings. Yeah. And so, yeah, like, I think we all have an obligation to be an advocate for that. But most especially big corporations who are bankrolling that have an obligation to because they have the resources to where it's like yeah day-to-day consumers of like yeah there's a limit on what you can do or like the actual impact you can have but like no it does come down to the industry leaders recognizing their role in Mm -hmm. that and yeah being an advocate yeah and then especially like i think generally like you mentioned as consumers of it and it's like listen if the if the big corpo corpo giants ain't gonna do it um, then there's plenty of stuff that you can go out and support um, that are like independent creators, such as like your stuff with Perils and Princesses um, through Kickstarter and yep. through um, a myriad of other means that like there's plenty of content out there that does not have to be like Wizards of the Coast D&D related to still tell these amazing stories. Exactly. Um, yeah. There's a million and one yeah, and game like, systems and all that. Support, support artists. Because, support artists. Because... The, the the bots ain't gonna ain't gonna give you the good shit. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's true. I mean, that, there's no better time to like. I can't think like to get into indie games, and there's tools out there that have made it possible to commute to get communities together, and to for people you know like me who could just have an idea and have been able to make it through Kickstarter's marketing, through connecting on TikTok, through like online yeah. printers that can print small runs of stuff like that. Which is so fucking cool. Yeah. Like as a to live in a time where yeah, you can have, you can an, just idea, have an idea and, and you're like and pop it out. I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a pretty princess game and you can just fucking do it. And people are like, Hell yeah, that's awesome. Give it to me now. <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah, that can turn into like a major part of your life and job. Like that's that's dope as hell. Yeah, I mean it's it's been it's been life changing, honestly. Um I'm Tired as all get out. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't I wait. Yeah. I can't wait I to like ship this thing. Seems out. stressful. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in like uh, proofreading and editing. I'm almost. Done, I'm almost done, and I'm ready to pull the trigger and and get it out there to all the backers. But oh man, I'm, it's been a long journey. Uh, wow. We but are, yeah, 
so excited for you. I cannot even Same. begin to explain. I, I'm excited oh to God. just play it. Yes. Um, and and also just have it in my, my little hands and, and have it join all of my, my other collectibles. Yes. <laughs> Stroke the pages gently. <laughs> yes, please do. I mean, I love I love books and I love printed art and I love illustrations and God, hopefully same. I can, yeah, hopefully uh, this adds a little bit of joy to other people who like that stuff and can, yeah, put it on their shelves and, and, and play with their friends. Play with their friends and their yeah. family. And with the friends. Love that. Well, we are coming up on time here. Um, but like, thank you so much for coming yes. on and like talking to us all about it yeah. and uh, having a cool little conversation with us. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, go check out Perils and Princesses. It's, it's done on Kickstarter, right? Like it's, yeah, there's a few more days where you could you could sneak in on backer kit to get a late pledge, but I'm about ready I'm about ready to to shut her down. Um, gotcha. And gotcha. after by the time this episode releases, she's probably gonna be done. She's probably gonna be done, and I it's t- TBD how to, how it's going to live on. I gotta make some decisions about uh, about how many extras I'm gonna get to sell, and if I'm gonna do print mm-hmm. on demand. Like mm-hmm. I've just got decisions to make, but it'll be around yeah. at least digitally. Um, once once I get the this first wave all all my early supporters get them taken care of and then I'll figure out where where it lives from from then on. Heck yeah. Well Yeah. Could you give us a little like plug for your socials or like where people could go to check out your stuff or Yeah. Um if you're if you're interested in Perils and Princesses, uh you can go to perilsandprincesses.com. That's just like a landing site I have that has like lots of links. Um I am Outrider Creative. That's my um, illustration and design business is Outrider. So Outrider Creative, at Outrider Creative on Instagram and TikTok is where I'm mostly putting out my my good news. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking with us and we'll see y'all next time. All right. Thanks, friends. Bye. (laughs) Table Talk is a podcast brought to you by Mythos Media Productions bringing you a new episode every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. Find us on Instagram and TikTok at TabletalkRPG, or check us out at our website, mythosmediaproductions.godaddysites.com. All business inquiries can reach out to us via email at info at mythosmediaproductions.com.